Welcome back, folks. All right, we are here with another episode of Playing the Field, and it is going to be just me today. It is just Andrew Fremont Smith in the studio. Uh, I am home uh, for the break, as well as all the other guys that we're used to seeing. Ricky will not be in today. We're going to see if we can either get a uh, a different co-host for the time being, or if maybe we zoom Ricky in. So we're going to deal with we're going to deal with that tech. Um. Later, as we uh, as we kind of go through the break here and figure some stuff out, uh, but it's going to be a solo, a uh, little solo podcast today. Um, I'm going to see how much I can get done. I'm trying to keep this to about 45 minutes, um, and just get you guys as much value as possible. Um, so first off, as we usually start out, <coughs> we're going to do some NBA first because there is some. There is some news here. There is some stuff that I want to talk about, and then there is a lot of things in football that's happening right now. A lot of stuff to talk about there. Um, so we're gonna get to both. Uh, the first thing I want to bring up is the Bogdan Bogdanovich fallout trade. Uh, there's now news that says that the plans of re-signing Giannis have now taken a major step back. That is the latest headline, and that Bogdanovich was a key part of this trade, um, and uh, this could be a reason that Giannis potentially leaves the Milwaukee Bucks next off season. Uh, wow, does that suck? That's that's what I have to say here. Um, that sucks on so many levels. It just sucks. If you're a Bucks fan, that sucks even more. Uh, and here I even here I am as a Celtics fan saying that this is the worst case scenario. Um, I'm a little mad at Milwaukee. Uh, the reason I'm a mil- little mad at Milwaukee, I- I'm mostly mad at Bogdan, but it, the, re- uh, the reason I'm a little mad at Milwaukee is just because if you're going to make a trade, like before you trade four or five years worth of first-round picks for Drew Holiday to complete a super team, make sure that the super team is complete first, right? Wouldn't it make sense to uh, make sure that you've contacted the player or in this case not contacted the player, make sure everything's done by the book, there's no issues. There's no ways that this can get revoked um, before the news gets out. Um, in in this scenario, the, the Milwaukee Bucks failed here, and it is going to have massive implications for them because I I can see what Giannis is thinking. Like that that was a key player, and Giannis had apparently had been adamant that he liked Bogdanovich's play style, and them messing this up. I see how it has kind of negative ramifications for for Giannis and, and his long-term kind of vision of how things are going to be in Milwaukee. But I just think that this is a massive blow just because the Milwaukee Bucks with Bogdan Bogdanovich would have been so fun to watch. It would have been so fun putting Drew Holiday, making a move for Bogdan, put those guys with, with Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Brooke Lopez at center, find some veteran players like they've been doing to add to depth. That would have been a really fun team. They would have been they would have taken you know a real shot at either the Lakers and the Clippers next year. Um and some of these competitive teams in the West. They really could have won it. I really do think that team could have won a championship. And I don't know I don't know the ins and outs. I've heard I've heard so many things uh that either Bogdan didn't want to play there or he had never yeah, he never agreed to the trade in the first place. These are all things I don't know what to make of all this. The alt, the end line to me is, I don't think Bogdan wanted to go, uh, which is 
a shame because I think Milwaukee would have paid him what he wanted. Uh, especially if they'd done a sign and trade, they would have been able to go over the cap. And and because a lot of the contracts that they were sending back would have made the money work. I think Bledsoe and George Hill definitely had twenty million at least. Uh, I think Bledsoe was like fifteen. George Hill was around ten. So the money would have worked. So I think this just comes down to him not wanting to be there. And I think uh, the uh, the whole like tampering issue was kind of used as a scapegoat to avoid the fact that Bogdan didn't want to go there. And I just think that's lame. I, I like. The Bucks definitely should have made sure that this one was intact before they made the move. But if Bogdan really bailed on them, I just think that that's incredibly lame. Like, you have a situation to play with the Greek freak. You have a real shot to win. Um, you have a real shot to win the NBA title. And you can play with some unbelievably high-level players. You would have been a perfect fit for them. A catch-and-shoot guy that can guard multiple positions play with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, all these guys, and you don't want to go there because it's cold, or you don't want to go there because you might get three or four million less, that that just falls on deaf ears to me. I'm sorry. I, that's, a, that's a real fail. I, I, I just, that's not a competitive move. I, I understand the Hawks got them, and the Hawks are going to be a pretty good team, but you're not, I don't think you're winning a championship in the, in the foreseeable future. You have you have a, if you're Bogdanovich, you're 28 years old. You have a four year window, and I, I if you wanted this if you wanted to win a championship, if you really wanted to win an NBA championship, you should have signed with Milwaukee. And I get it if you think that Giannis might leave, but Giannis had reached out to you before. The reports have said that he's talked to Bogdanovich about playing in Milwaukee, which means that you probably have a pretty good indication that if you sign there and you commit to the Bucks, that Giannis probably will too. And I, I do buy into the narrative that Giannis was a, always a player looking to stay. And it's a shame that something like this happens to make Giannis leave. Because I, I think the NBA needs franchise players. I think they do. And it, it would be a real shame. Like this whole Giannis to the Lakers news now, that would be horrible. It would make, it would make the NBA not fun. They would be a complete powerhouse team. And we have another super team here. And it's just it just... That's not competitive to me. That's not what makes the league fun. I really I really hope that Giannis re-signs and gives them a second shot, even if it's a short-term deal. But, yeah, this whole, you know, tampering issue, that's why it didn't fall through. That is not right. If, if, if Bogdan wanted to go to Milwaukee, the teams would have found a way to make this work. Um, and it just... It just sucks. It just If you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, this just sucks. And honestly, if you're an NBA fan, this just sucks because... I, I, like if if Giannis leaves, he's not gonna go to he's not gonna go somewhere that sucks. He's gonna he's gonna go somewhere where they have a real shot to win, and that team could be the Lakers. So it looks like Bogdan either wanted more money or he wanted a better city to live in. So now the entire league is gonna suffer. But that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens here. But I just think that that's a massive massive blow. Good for the Hawks. The Hawks got him. Hawks made some good moves. They're probably the free agent winners so far. Um, but yeah, terrible, terrible news there. If you're a Bucks fan, that's just that's really, really unfortunate. And I wish, I wish, I hope that Giannis kind of forgives that franchise because they've given up a lot of pieces now for Drew Holiday and. If they lose Giannis and can't find, can't really hit on a big player in these next 
two years after he leaves, then they're in big, big trouble going forward. Um, but uh, anyway, this is not the only free agent that I was disappointed in. Uh, I was disappointed with Gordon Hayward's departure, obviously. Now, I know I talk about Celtics a lot, but this is this is the big news right now. This is the big news so far. A lot of people think that this is terrible contract. A lot of people think the Celtics failed. A lot of people think the Celtics won. A lot of people think the Pacers failed. Charlotte failed. There's all kinds of thoughts. And, and, and my take is, um, I think the biggest loser here is actually the Celtics. And I, I don't think it's because you lost Hayward. I think it made sense for Hayward to leave. Uh, I think that the franchise kind of was going in a different direction. Tatum, Brown, those wings were, it was becoming their team. And uh, Hayward was, you know, kind of getting in the way of that a little bit. He had, he just didn't have good luck here. He just kept getting hurt. And um, there were, again, there were locker room issues lingering from years ago where, you know, Gordon wasn't playing his best after the injury and it was rubbing players the wrong way that he was still getting minutes and things like this. Um, So his time in Boston wasn't great. And, we could have sent him to, and the Celtics could have sent him to Indiana, and we could have got something back for him. But I think what we're seeing now is is Danny Ainge starting to completely overplay his hand, and completely, just just it's just completely unwilling to execute on something that that doesn't absolutely pants another team. Like that's that's kind of the goal here for Danny Ainge. He doesn't he's not interested in making a team a trade that. Helps both teams. He's interested in making a trade that absolutely destroys the other team. What like something like a Brooklyn trade, like a Kyrie Irving trade. I mean, that's that's what he's interested in, and it's it's becoming a serious serious problem now, because, I mean, I I don't understand the, the whole narrative that the Celtics have improved because they have Tr- Tristan Thompson and people like Tristan Thompson over Miles Turner. They like Jeff Teague. Cut it with that. Just cut that out. Because Tristan Thompson signed for a mid-level exception. If you wanted Tristan Thompson, you could have had him too. You could have gotten both. You could have gotten Turner and Thompson, and you could have picked, right? And you would have gotten either Doug McDermott, you know, something like TJ Warren, a pick, something like that. And instead, now we're here we are. Gordon Hayward has signed with Charlotte. And... Believe it or not, people are people are marking this as the worst free agent signing of the offseason, Gordon Hayward. I do not think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. Gordon Hayward has had incredibly bad luck. Uh, agreed. And it took him a year to get back to form. I think in this season he had some more bad luck, getting hurt at pretty bad times and he was heating up. But how are you supposed to produce tons of numbers... When you're the fourth option on a Celtics team that is, you know, consistently moving away from what you do and what how you can be utilized on the court, um, I get it. I I get the argument. He's old. That's a lot of money that you're paying. But I just want to reiterate something. You are the Charlotte Hornets, okay? This is the Charlotte Hornets we're talking about. This is not the Lakers. This is not, you know. The, the Clippers is not a Celtics or some of these, you know, acclaimed franchises that free agents want to go to. And honestly, the Celtics aren't even on that list anymore. Miami Heat, teams like that, Spurs. Like, 
The Charlotte cannot afford to be picky in this situation. They can't be. You have a guy that Gor- of, of Gordon Hayward that's on the market, and he's, for you, gettable, right? Which is hard to find. It's hard to get a free agent of a plus caliber player to want to go to Charlotte in the first place. And now you have that opportunity. You have to overpay a little bit. And if you miss, you miss, right? But we know that Gordon Hayward has been a great player in this league. We saw it in Utah. And we even saw it in Shades in Boston here in this last year. I mean, we're talking about 18 points a game, over 50% shooting, all in a system that really didn't utilize him just because of people around him. Now you put him in a spot where he can be that Utah player again. That's a max player. Now, it might not work out. The, the, the issue there is injuries. But if you're the Charlotte Hornets, who else are you going to get? I just, I, I don't know. Like, if Gordon Hayward becomes that Utah player, all of a sudden you have a, you have a real playoff team. And, and here's, here's, I would have taken it a step further. If I was the Charlotte GM, guess who I would have brought in to go with Gordon Hayward? DeMarcus Cousins. That's right, I said it. <laughs> I think DeMarcus Cousins would have made sense to sign and put with Gordon Hayward and say, hey, Guys, let's revitalize your careers, right? Let's get healthy. Let's get an opportunity, and let's put something on paper here, and let's try to win. And the fact that they haven't really done anything else bothers me. Like, they really haven't made any drastic moves otherwise. Because if you're going to bring in Hayward and lock up all this money, like, we know that you're not going (laughs) to win a championship with Gordon Hayward as your number one. So you got to get, or, you know, certainly not unless you have another clear-cut borderline number one with him. So you got to get somebody. Uh, but if you had a team, I don't know, if you had a team to me that had LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, and DeMarcus Cousins, it sounds crazy. But, I mean, if, if you have a team like that and they're clicking on all four cylinders and all six cylinders, they get healthy again, they start kind of, using their space to get maximized in a system that benefits them, all of a sudden you have a really, really strong team and you're Charlotte. You know, like, you're not going to sign LeBron James. He's not going to go to the freaking Hornets. It's just not going to happen. So you got you to gotta try to make what you can out of it. Um, so to me, the Gordon Hayward signing is not a failure. The, the failure to me was more the fact that they didn't add to it. Because if you're, if you're going to spend all this money, max out your cap, you're going for it. You're going for the win. So why not go for it more? So that's what I don't understand about this whole deal. Um, I also think that uh, Hayward stuck it to, the, to Danny Ainge a little bit because I think there was a clear deal in place there. I mean, we, we, we heard about it. It was Miles Turner, Doug McDermott was on the table for Gordon in a sign-and-trade. Um. And Danny Ainge requested either Victor Oladipo or TJ Warren. And that that is too much if you're the Indiana Pacers. It's too much. Uh, I don't think Hayward's worth that. TJ Warren showed you some great things and he's way younger. That's not worth it to me. So I think the, the Pacers were smart to uh, to kind of say thanks but no thanks. I, I, we're not getting ripped off by you. You don't have leverage is basically what they said. And Gordon said the same thing. No, you don't have leverage. And just sign with Charlotte, because I think that's what's happening. I think Danny was, I think Danny was, you know, trying to dare Gordon to to go to a crappy franchise, and see if he'd play there. 
say basically daring him to, saying, you won't do it. You won't do it. And Gordon said, you know what? I will do it. Here we go, Charlotte. And he signed a big deal. So the loser here is the Boston Celtics, ladies and gentlemen. They they have <laughs> get out of here with this Tristan Thompson nonsense, okay? Uh, they also failed in the sense that they drafted two players. They added more young, inexperienced, unproven guys to this team, which we did not need. Uh, the only good thing we did is lock up Jason Tatum. Um, so congratulations to Tatum and, and Mitchell and some of these other guys that have gotten, you know, some big deals. Bam Adebayo got extended. All smart decisions by all these teams. You can't have winning franchises without these players. Um, but right now it seems like our, uh, you know, the great Boston Celtics are okay with just being a three seed and losing in the second round. That's what it seems like to me. Um, the other interesting uh, signing that I think I want to talk about is, is Montrose Harrell. Uh, and the reason I want to talk about Montrose Harrell is because I think this symbolizes kind of what's going on in L.A. Uh, and and Ricky and I have talked about this before. I think Kawhi Leonard is, is rubbing people the wrong way. And the coaching change was absolutely warranted here because they cannot keep letting Kawhi Leonard walk all over this team. And uh, I think it was Beverly uh, who got upset that Montrezl Harrell is leaving. There are some serious, serious locker room issues going on here. And this is this is this is a lesson, like, to some of these NBA players that just think that the grass is always greener somewhere else, you know? Like, remember, Kawhi Leonard was beloved in Toronto. They had a winning team. The teammates got along with him. They they were okay with Kawhi leading them. Uh, they were okay with all the minutes restriction stuff, and now all of a sudden he goes to the Clippers, thinks it's going to be the same thing, and it wasn't. People got annoyed. People got angry. Uh, with the way Kawhi is, you know, kind of dictating his pace, showing up late to flights. So shame on Kawhi Leonard for that. I mean, you got to be a professional, you know, and and you're a teammate as much as you are a player. And when you show up late to practice and you, you know, fly separately from the team and you manage your own minutes, you tell the coach this, that, and the other, that has consequences, and we're seeing it right now because not only did the Lakers get a really good undervalued big in this league, but they took them away from the Clippers, their main rival in the process. Um, so that, in my opinion, is the best free agent signing that we've seen so far. I think Montrose Harrell was a very, very productive player before last year and was willing to take a back seat um, to some of the stardom. And here he, there he goes. I mean, it's it's... It's not looking good right now if you're an LA Clipper fan. That's a big big red flag. So, you got to you got to try to find some pieces and they haven't made a lot of moves. They have not made a lot of moves so far. Um but right now you just got a whole lot worse and the Lakers got a whole lot better. So I, I and again, Kawhi Leonard and these guys did not commit to you. They did not. They they each signed two-year deals so this is their second year and they can opt out if they want next year they are not committed players and we'll see what happens here but right now it's looking like this this Clippers team is is a Titanic ready to ready to fall ready to sink so big win there for the Lakers great signing 
Uh, and Montrose Har- Harrell even talked about it. He said, basically, the Clippers didn't even want me back. He said, I would have signed, you know, I. The re- there's a reason I signed elsewhere, you know. And if that's true, that's a massive failure in that Clippers organization. A massive failure for what's supposedly so well run with Jerry West and all these execs. Something deeper is going on there, and it's not looking good. It's not looking good to be a Clipper fan right now. Um, so, yeah, th- that is my best free agent signing. Uh, the worst free agent signing to me is Detroit Pistons because I just don't understand what they're doing. Why on earth did you give Mason Plumley three years, was it like $30 million, when he got seven points a game and you... He's thirty. He's thirty plus, and then you signed someone else to a massive contract, and then you gave up Christian Wood, who was young, developing, averages like around fourteen and eight. I talked about Christian Wood or fourteen and seven, something like that. Talked about Christian Wood as an ascending player, and they just kind of let him walk out the door. I I don't know what what that is. I don't know who's pulling the strings there. But that's a massive failure if you're Detroit. I don't know what you're doing. You just gave guys over 30 years old big big money. I think Jeremiah Grant was the other one who might be a little younger. But no one had showed you more in that in that front court than Christian Wood. And you just let him go. And then you signed Plumlee to a similar amount of money. And he's five years older. So I don't, I don't get that. And he's way less productive. So that is my biggest loser. If it's not the Celtics, it's the Pistons. Um... <laughs> yeah, Detroit, Detroit. I uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know who's running things there. But did not understand that one. Um, I think that's about it. So my favorite signing was obviously the Montrose Harrell, just because of the addition and the subtraction that go that went with that. Uh, Detroit is probably the worst team we've seen. Uh, <laughs> the Cavaliers not making moves. I don't understand. I mean, I guess they're okay where they are, but um, we're on pace here. Um, I'm going to try to transition in some NFL right now because we got a lot to talk about, and this is going to give fun. So uh, I'll just start with the most recent news first. Uh, Matt Patricia is now gone. He's been fired from Detroit. Uh, that totally makes sense, completely makes sense to me. Uh, this is a team that has tons of talent, Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, DeAndre Swift looks great. Looks absolutely great. Uh, and <laughs> he hasn't been played much because Matt Patricia is kind of an idiot. I don't understand how Adrian Peterson, I get it, he's a vet, but you have a young 21-year-old, 22-year-old running back that is starting to look really, really good out there, and you're not giving him the snaps necessary for him to develop because you want to try to give Adrian Peterson the ball when he's like 35 years old. What is that about? I mean, the, just watching the small tidbits of, of uh, DeAndre Swift play, it's been unbelievable. The guy's leaping over people. He's making dynamic plays. He can catch passes, make moves, make moves in space. He's got agility. He's got speed. Uh, I don't know if, if this is like Matt Patricia like getting angry at him because he dropped that pass in week one. But... uh. Very, very weird things have gone on there. I don't. I never understood that. Um, I think Swift is hurt now. Yeah. So 
he's inactive against the he was inactive against the Texans. So he was in concussion protocol. But I mean, you look at some of the games where he started. I mean, I mean, just look at these numbers. He had 14 carries. He had 116 yards with two touchdowns on 14 carries against Jacksonville. Then he got less than 10 carries. He got nine carries against Atlanta. Still finished with 10.8 fantasy points. He was able to get a rushing touchdown, 27 yards, and caught four passes for 21. Found a way to make his mark. Uh, he had 13 carries again. Not a ton. Still able to get 10 fantasy points with 33 receiving yards, 65 rushing yards. And now, in this last game, they finally gave him the ball. What do you know? 81 yards, 140 scrimmage yards, a receiving touchdown all over the place. And Matt Patricia hasn't been utilizing this for reasons I don't know why. Um, Kenny Galladay, Ricky's Ricky's making a joke that Kenny Galladay is not actually hurt. He just wants Matt Patricia gone, <laughs> which his <laughs> hip injury didn't look that bad when he went out, and he's been gone for like three weeks. Um, but you have a you have a, you have some solid pieces on this team. I mean, you, if you have Galladay at wide receiver one, Marvin Jones is a solid solid wide receiver two. T.J. Hawkinson is looking like a top five tight end. DeAndre Swift is looking like a top ten running back. Matt Stafford, we know, is an above-average quarterback. He's a vet. You can't win games? Like, you can't even go 500? You got blown out on Thanksgiving? Thanks, but we're good. Like, he has, he has lost control of that team. I don't think the players ever bought into him. They've, just, they've consistently underperformed with talent. I think this is I think this is well due. This is way overdue. Matt Patricia's gone. I think that's more than deserved. I, I, I wonder now if the Patriots want him back as their D coordinator or not. I think that's a very interesting conversation. because uh, the Patriots defense has underperformed a little bit, which we'll kinda get into. Um but uh yeah, Matt Patricia's gone, so that's the that's the headline today. Uh he is out as Detroit's manager, so I wonder who takes his place. Um, now the the next the next game is is very interesting because the Steelers Ravens game we've had a lot of cases on both sides here. I don't know if this game gets played. I I think the NFL is going to going to have the game because I think they they worry that we're not going to be able to that they're not going to be able to have time to reschedule another one, which makes sense, but. I think that this could start something here. I think both of these teams, now that we find out today that James Conner also has COVID, it's not just on the Ravens' side of the ball, uh, Ravens' side of the aisle, this could be bad. I think there's probably still cases that we don't know about in, in Pittsburgh if James Conner's got one, and they were suspicious already early today. Um, very interesting. Very interesting. I, I, I think, again, my prediction is that this game gets played and COVID spreads. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, I, I, I also heard that they have to wear masks or something, which I think that's, I mean, I don't see the point of that just because you're going to be hitting each other. So wearing a mask, I, I, don't, I don't know how that stops it. But um, yeah, I, I just, I don't I don't know if that's the right move. I don't know. I think they, should, they might have to just postpone that game and, and try to find a later date because that's that's very worrisome to me. I know that they moved it till Tuesday to buy themselves more time, but if I I if I were the commissioner right now, I would think about seriously think about moving this game. I would. I don't know. 
I, I just, there's, there's, that's exactly it. I just, there's so much I don't know about the situation. And first of all, is it even fair? Like, Lamar Jackson's not playing. Both of the, the Ravens running backs are not active. This is getting crazy. And and on this topic, we're, we're now finding out that Royce Freeman, the third string running back for the Denver Broncos, is going to be starting at QB this week against, let me find out, because whoever is playing this team is very lucky. Uh, this game isn't even out on lines because you can't bet on it because it's so weird. Um, they are playing the New Orleans Saints. So they already had a tough task already, facing probably the best run defense in the league and a top-tier, probably a top-10 pass defense. Uh, now they're going to be rolling out there with a third-string quarterback. Uh, and Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay are all going to potentially get thrown in if, if Royce Freeman gets hurt or something like this. Oh, my God. What What is this? This is madness. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're the Broncos coach. Like, you just run a lot of wildcat, I guess. Um. So yeah, all of the all three. So that's Drew Locke, Driscoll, all of them. One through three, gone. So, I don't know if. If you're Vic Vangio, I be ready to run, be ready to run the football and choose some clock, um, because when they play the Saints, I mean this is going to be this is going to be rough. Here's going to be it's going to be interception central. There's going to be gross, gross plays. This is really hurting. It's really hurting the league right now, and I hope I really hope that we can get we can get back on track here. You know. Try to get this season back under control, but for fantasy owners too, like this is this is not something that you want to be want to be you know in a situation with. I mean, you, what do you do if you have Jerry Judy that we're planning to start or Noah Fant or someone of these guys? They're automatic bench players. I I don't know. Same's true with Ravens. I don't know how good RG three is going to be. Um, so I don't. I I would think you might have to bench some of their receivers. Mark Andrews maybe too. Because you're just there's too much uncertainty there. There's some decent waiver wire ads this week, but very very weird, very very weird stuff going on. Um, but that's enough of COVID. Uh, enough bad news. Let's go to the exciting, fun news. The craziest game of the day yesterday, in my opinion, was Taysom Hill showing up everybody in the NFL. And by that I mean the Atlanta Falcons' weak defense, but still. Taysom Hill comes out. He has over 200 yards passing, no turnovers through the air. He had one fumble that, honestly, it didn't really matter in the game, but you know, could have could have led to if he hadn't fumbled that ball, could have led to the Saints getting over 30 points in this game. And Sean Payton proved everyone I know wrong. You had a you had a solid QB that played the 500 franchise in the league before, and you could have went with him, but instead you went with your guy. You went with your guy, and it paid off in a big way. And it turns out that he knows something that we don't know. That mobile quarterbacks work in a very small sample. (laughs) I think we're seeing this with Lamar Jackson, too. 
Uh, I think this is part of the Ravens' troubles right now. I think Lamar. I think Lamar and mobile quarterbacks in the league are very exciting to watch. And I think when you catch defenses off guard, they're very, very hard to guard. But I think over time, defenses figure it out. They understand what the concept is. They understand the schemes. They're ready for the read options. They're ready for the rollouts. They have a, they have contains in the quarterback, and they can and they can work this. But now, when you're when you're just starting to face a quarterback, a mobile quarterback, and you don't have any film on the guy, it's unbelievably hard to guard. And that's why Lamar Jackson went off last year, right? Well, here we are, Taysom Hill. Here you go. He's thrown what four passes in his NFL career. He comes out. No one has any film on the guy. Comes out and 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 plays a really really solid game. He played exactly the the kind of game you need him to play to win games. Which you don't need to be a hero. You just don't need to turn the ball over. And I think that that also played a role in why Jameis Winston was not there because Sean Payton hates turning the ball over, and Jameis Winston is a big big turnover machine. So that I think played a played a big part here. Also, Taysom Hill was just has been his guy. We know this from the start, but. Right now, it's looking like Taysom Hill is actually worth his absurd contract. I mean, that was that was a lot of money to dole out to him. But if he can win you all three of these games in place of Drew Brees, or all four of these games in place of Drew Brees, that is absolutely worth the money. And he would solidify himself as probably the best utility man you could ever find right now in the football league. I mean, there's there's a couple of great guys. And it depends on how you define utility man. Um... Because Tariq Hill is obviously, in a, you know, you can throw him in a running back. There's a there's a bunch a bunch of things you can do, and and there's still great guys like um uh not Naheem Hines, but uh oh the uh, Panthers wide receiver Curtis Samuel is kind of a utility guy. He comes in a running back, comes in a receiver. Um, but again, you don't throw him in on special teams. You don't throw him on special teams like you do Taysom Hill. You also don't throw him at quarterback like you do Taysom Hill. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's another utility guy that is better utilized. And right now, it's looking like Taysom Hill is going to make is going to make uh, his contract well worth it. And I think that Sean Payton proved everyone wrong. I think he knew his team better. And I think, I mean, I don't even think I saw it. I mean, the the Falcons' defense that was playing way better in recent weeks were in shambles. They didn't know what to do. He was he could run it. He could throw it. What I was shocked with is why the Saints didn't run the ball way more. Alvin Kamara only got like 13, 14 carries. You should be way heavier, using him way, way more. Uh, you know, especially with the nature of, because you're not gonna get you're not gonna get crazy performances from Taysom Hill. But <laughs> giving it off, giving it Alvin, giving it more to Alvin Kamara is definitely a recipe for success. We've seen. Um. So congratulations to Taysom Hill. That was such a fun game to watch. I didn't even see parts of it because I, I always flip through the games. But he really proved a lot of doubters wrong with that. And Sean Payton was really, he was rewarded for taking a shot. And I respect it. I respect it a lot. Um, Joe Burrow, another guy, another terrible injury thus far. Uh, so that guy absolutely destroyed his knee, as most of you probably know. Like ACL, MCL, whole deal. Horrible, horrible, horrible situation uh, for the Bengals. Now, 
It's probably going to impede their season next year, which is what really stinks. But, oh man, that's that's a tough blow if you're a Bengals fan. Uh, they're, they're, this kind of locks up some more losing this year, some more losing next year. I mean, it could be a blessing in disguise because they need some serious pieces to address that defense because Joe Burrow's been putting up some serious points and they continue to lose games. So I think that this could be a wake-up call for the Bengals and say, look, we have we have a plan, we have a QB, and we have a running back, and we have receivers. A lot of, team are, a lot of teams are not in this spot. We're going to get potentially a year and a half, two years, to figure this out. We're going to get two years to get really good draft picks, to sign players, to build a winning team. Now, you can use this, and you can build something great, or you can do nothing and spoil it and ruin this quarterback's future here. So it's kind of up to the Broncos at this point. But I think you got to make win-now moves, and I think you got to ease Joe Burrow back into this process and not rush him and let him take his time and build and build and build because now you've, you've gotten great draft picks. The Bengals were not a great team this year. Joe Burrow lost a lot of high-scoring games. They need a lot of help on defense. Now is the time to make some moves. And also, Colin Coward said this, you, you have an obligation to protect the guy. Get some linemen up there that can actually create a force. They can actually like produce at a big league NFL level. Because you can't, you can't have this. You can't have your rookie quarterback going down to end your season, it just it just can't happen. Um, so a horrible horrible blow there. If you're a, if you're a Broncos fan, and I feel for all those fans, that's a horrible injury. Makes the game worse. Um, but anyway, I'm just looking through the games here, seeing some of my other reactions. I think the Raiders uh, yesterday or last Sunday uh, solidified themselves as a, a really great dynamic offensive team. Honestly, a great team in general. They're six and four, but this was another. This is the second time they'd played the Chiefs. I took the Chiefs minus seven in this game. Got it wrong. Raiders came out, and the Chiefs defense did not know how to stop them. Josh Jacobs, Dev, uh, Devontae Booker, I'm pretty sure, uh, had a big run. Nope, uh, it was just Jacobs for over 55 and, and a touchdown. Um, but I guess it, yeah, it was just Derek Carr. Derek Carr with. You know, 300 yards, three touchdowns. And and I think what, you know, this game, 35-31 high-scoring game, it honestly should have been higher the way they were moving the football. Like, if you watched the, the layout of that game, the, the offenses were just driving. They were just driving down the field at will. Uh, there, was, there was no real resistance or no crazy plays on the defensive side. It was just whoever could make the stop was going to win the game. And in this game, it was the Chiefs, but... Look out for the Raiders, because that is a six and four, but that is a hard fought six and four. And I I have they lost that game, but I have nothing but respect for them. I mean, that Chiefs team is we know that they're amazing. We know that they're legit in every way. They got a great special teams, an unbelievable offense, and a great defense. Now great game by the Raiders. You you probably weren't gonna beat the Chiefs twice this year, but you gave it a really, really good shot. So, I mean, I'm very, very encouraged if I'm an Oakland fan. Um, another game I was shocked by. I was shocked at how high-scoring the Colts-Packers game was. Uh, 
I, I under no scenario thought that Phillip Rivers was going to win this game via shootout. I mean, it was the same score as Chiefs Raiders. Chiefs Raiders, I expected high scoring. This game had no idea. Aaron, Roger, Aaron Rodgers pretty much diced up the best defense in the NFL. Now, they did get a few turnovers in there. Uh, but a lot of great, lot of great performances from the Packers, but even better performances from the Colts. Phillip Rivers, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, and and very interesting situation here. Jonathan Taylor gets the majority of the workload. 22 carries went to went to Taylor, did not exceed 100 yards. He got about four yards per carry, which is solid. Not a crazy game, and now he's hurt next week. I I just this backfield has been all over the place. Especially from a fantasy standpoint. I, I traded this player away. I, I didn't know what to make of what they were going to do here. Um, but the real story is Michael Pittman becoming a, a beast all of a sudden. A lot of people were predicting this from the start. But, yeah, I mean, that, that Packers secondary is no joke. They have Adrian Amos at safety. And they have uh, Alexander at corner. And it was no problem. Colts won that game. They got a couple turnovers from their defense which helped them a lot, but huge win there for the Colts. And the other game that was very interesting, which was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers looking terrible. Brady with with two touchdowns, but two picks, only 215 yards or so. Not much of a running game at all for the Buccaneers, and, th- and this to me is a little bit of coaching. You cannot have only 41 rush yards on the ground. You cannot do it. Uh, Brady should not be throwing 50 passes. It shouldn't. It shouldn't happen. He's too. He's too old for that. Brady can throw you 35 to 40, but if you're pushing, you're pushing it. If you go anywhere above that, and I don't know what this is. I think this might be the sign of Brady's decline. Now that's very disputed. Uh, there was a lot of analysts that are saying that it's the new, it's a new system. It takes quarterbacks a long time to be able to really understand and really understand all the route trees and all the audibles and all the checkdowns and all the stuff that comes with a new system. Um, and a lot of people are saying that seven and four, you know, in a, in, a, in a brand new system, first time with the team, it's actually very solid. So this is very disputed. But I just saw, I just saw Tom Brady kind of look like he he was done almost. Uh, not for the for the you know the duration, but for the for the game, he just kind of checked out, and I never saw that that kind of give up in Tom Brady in in a game before. So I don't know. I'm, it's a might be a body language thing. It's there are some throws where he's on, and there are some throws where you're like, what are you doing? And <laughs> I mean, he got outplayed by Jared Goff, which is not something that you want to lead with as a headline coming out there. And I think McVay and has got his guys in order. And I think you're starting to see that McVay is, is a very, very good coach. Because um, I don't think that Jared Goff is a, is a top, you know, top-tier QB at all by any means. I don't even know if he falls in the top 15. He might, but I think the, the key to that team is the coaching. And I think Cooper Cup is, is a very uh, sneaky, valuable piece to that team. I think Cooper Cup... Cooper Cup went off in that game. Um, and he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, which is interesting. So they have a good little system. They have kind of Robert Woods that scores. Wow, Robert Woods had a monster game too. 130 yards and a touchdown for him, but then Cooper Cup with 145 yards. I mean, that's that's crazy numbers there. 
from two receivers putting that up. So Rams have a good little system. We'll see what happens. But Brady, yeah, very interesting. We saw a little bit of quitting Tom Brady last night. The GOAT, the greatest of all time. And the last thing I want to talk about here, Tua getting benched. Do not like it. Do not like it one bit. I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick should have ever come into that game. Uh, this is what this is what you need to do with a rookie quarterback, and this is very important. You got to get smacked in the mouth a few times, not literally, but you're gonna face tough defenses. The Broncos are a good defense. Like they're not a great team, not a good team even, pretty bad team, but they have a pretty good defense, and. This was a very important moment for Tua to get to kind of get smacked in the mouth, get leveled a little bit, realize what it's like to lose big in the NFL. And they kind of ran from it. They, very weird. They ran from it. They put Ryan Fitzpatrick back in the game, who came in, threw a pick, did his Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. Very, very strange. Uh, we'll see what happens. Tua is now... Is dealing, they said he was dealing with a thumb injury, so we'll see if that plays a part and they're not going to rush him back, so we might see Ryan Fitzpatrick again. Um, but yeah, was not a fan. I've been a big fan of what Flores has done for the majority, but that decision did not agree with. I think you should have let Tua finish that game, let him stand in there. Um, did not like what they were doing. Did not like how they handled that situation. Um I'm also going to stick with the Broncos here just because I am, uh, or stick with the Dolphins rather, because I am betting on the Dolphins this week. So that means it is our time for the three picks of the week. I went one for three last week. I got the Patriots wrong because uh, the Patriots path is now ended. I think officially we can rule them out. They could not beat the Texans. They're going to play the Dolphins. They're going to play the Bills. They're going to play, you know, there a lot of division games, which for them are not easy wins anymore. They used to be. Not anymore. Uh, they they have a, again they have the second toughest schedule in the NFL or something like that and they're gonna have to finish this out. Do not see a scenario where the Patriots make the playoffs this year. Very disappointing. Uh, yeah, they just didn't bring it. I don't think Cam Newton's the guy to get them over the top. I don't think it's all his fault. I think there was a lot of coaching issues. Cam Newton should not be throwing more than thirty five. He shouldn't be throwing more than thirty passes, let alone more than forty passes. I don't know what happened in the game script on that one, but. J.J. Watt, who is a little overrated and getting old, made them look like absolute fools in that game. And J.J. Watt made, uh, the other night, <laughs> made the Detroit Lions look like fools. So maybe he's not. But um, New England has lost. Sounds weird to say, but New England has lost, pretty much lost their playoffs hopes. Uh, they just picked up their sixth loss. It's going to be unbelievably tough grind for them to to try to win out here and get a playoff spot or try to lose one game. So we'll see what happens, but they're going to need to make some serious improvements. And they still don't have Julian Edelman. Uh, they can get a little help. They need to address. They just need to address their strength and start running the ball. Damian Harris looks good. Their offensive line looks good. Just ground and pound. I don't understand why they're straying from this, but the Patriots need to ground and pound if they want to win football games and play old-fashioned football. Um, but yeah, so they they lost me last week. I took the Patriots. They did not come through. I took the... Uh, let me see what else. I whiffed on one more, too. I went one for three. I'm around... Oh, I took the Eagles last week, who 
I'm just I I have decided to not talk about the NFC East anymore because it is it's not deserved, frankly. It's just not deserved. We they're just terrible franchises that are all trying to win games at six and ten and try to win the division. So this is just terrible. Carson Wentz looked awful last night. I've gone back and forth on him, but he is just too inconsistent for me right now. I thought that the Eagles could have pulled that game out. I thought it was an important win for them to try to balance the scores. They were also getting three, couldn't cover. Big shame there if you're if you're an Eagles fan. Big shame if you bet on the Eagles. But I think I'm done betting on that team because I think they're just way, way too inconsistent for me. So Eagles I got wrong. Patriots I got wrong. I did get the Steelers right. I looked at that game a lot. Uh, there was just no way the Jaguars were going to compete. I, I know that they kept it close against the Packers, but the P- Jaguars are just bottom five in every statistical category against the run, against the pass, and D.O. DVOA and all these advanced metrics, they were just bottom tier, and they just had no answer. And it did, that that game did not surprise me at all. So I went one for three this week. We got more picks coming to you. I got them right here. First game I'm taking is Dolphins Jets. Uh, Dolphins are are getting six and I think they're they're minus six and a half now. I took them at seven. Liked them at seven. I like them even better at six and a half. Uh, again, they're away at New York. There's no fans in New York, so that's not a factor. Um, they're getting my, uh, Dolphins are getting Miles Gaskin back, which is a huge plus for them. Miles Gaskin was being really productive, getting a big chunk of that workload um, before he got hurt, and now he's coming back, returning to this team. That's going to add momentum. The Dolphins are also looking for a bounce back. Now I know that there's speculation on who's going to be the quarterback. I think it's actually leaning toward Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, I mean, I don't think that matters. I really don't. I, I think whoever they put out there, I think they have a good shot to win this game, and I think that's why the line is a little bit generous. But let's not get, let's not, like, forget. The, the New York Jets are a horrendous football team. They they lost to the Chargers last week by, like, six. But the Chargers are not great either. <laughs> also playing shorthanded without Eckler. And... Now, now all of a sudden, we're we're, t- we're putting them against a really good team, and we're and we're giving them, you know, less than a touchdown. This is this is a horrible, horrible football team, one of the worst we've seen in decades. Very, I would, very much bet on the Dolphins to win this game by a touchdown, or more than probably more than a touchdown. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um. Uh, the next game I bet on. Let me see. Uh, so, Ravens-Steelers game I'm staying away from. Let me go to my report here. So, I also took Titans-Colts. I really, really like this pick. Titans plus three and a half. Um, this is a divisional game. They've played each other before. Uh, I, I've talked about it before. If you're if you're playing within the division, uh, I've talked about it with my buddies, it's usually smart to take the points here. Uh, this in this scenario, if the Colts win by a field goal, you still win the bet because of that three and a half, which I like. Uh, again, I I like the Colts. I don't love the Colts. I think they have some holes. They're without Jonathan Taylor this week, so their workhorse back last week is gone. And I don't trust Jordan Wilkins or Naheem Hines or any of these guys to lead them to the promised land. I don't trust that. Um, the Titans also took an L and are going to be looking for a... Or no, I think the Titans may have won. 
Let me just check the Titans' recent game. Um, again, this isn't going to change my result, but I just want to see. Titans did win. They pulled off a great win against the Ravens, uh, which is a very encouraging sign. But, uh, again, these, these, these division games are usually very, very close. And the Titans have been, I think, I've been reliable enough to count on uh, through the passing, and they obviously have a phenomenal run game. And I just, I don't trust Phillip Rivers. I trust Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry to get me two big wins in a row more than I trust Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton or whatever they have on offense. Like, I get it, they have a great O-line and a great defense, but I'm going to take my chances with the Titans there. I'm going to take the points. Another game I'm going to take the, take the points with is the Los Angeles Chargers against the Bills. Uh, I know they had a rough game against the Jets. They didn't look great. But again, Eckler returns to the lineup this week. They have a full roster. And Justin Herbert doesn't usually get blown blown out. He really doesn't. He scores a lot of points. Um, and I'm not I'm not totally bought into this Bills team. I really don't. I don't think that they're... Um, I mean, you put Chris Harris on Stephon Diggs. I'm pretty sure John Brown's not playing. Let me check the status of John Brown. But I heard that he was out. Um, I just looked up John Brown, the American absolutist, absolutionist. Uh, let me just look up John Brown. Yep, so he is on injured reserve, so they no longer have a wide receiver too, which means the Chargers can focus most of their energy on uh, Mr. Stephon Diggs. And they have never had a run game pretty much all year. I mean, Devin Singletary has not been great. Um, their backups have been good in, in, in phases, nothing consistent. I like the Chargers, uh, especially with this plus 5.5. I know they're on the road, but they've done well on the road this year. I like the Chargers in this game, plus 5.5. So that makes it Tennessee plus 3.5, Chargers plus 5.5, Dolphins minus 7 against the New York Football Jets. Um, those are my picks for the week. Fantasy trade-wise, I mean, the trade deadline's passed for most of most of you fantasy owners. I would just look at matchups now. Just look at the playoff matchups. See who you can roll out there. Start trying to make your opponents weaker by picking up players that they need on the waiver wire. Just start searching that waiver wire. I think uh, I I think Rager. I think there's some the value to be had in Rager this week off the waiver wire just because I think he plays Seattle. And I think that Carson Wentz has looked his way more now that he's been back into the lineup. I think Fulgham is going to drop off. He's got one reception for eight yards in two of the last, you know, in both of his last two games in which Rager has been active. Uh, I don't, I don't like, I don't like him. I don't like Fulgham as much as Rager for the Philadelphia Eagles. But that's basically all I have for you fantasy wise. I just wish you guys all luck in the playoffs. I think they're all, most, most of them are going to start in a week or two. Um, but uh, that's gonna do it uh, for uh, for us here at playing the field. Uh, Andrew Fremont Smith, we'll look to get the guys back in the studio. We'll try to get a co-host in here soon. If not, you're always gonna have me every week on either Friday or Saturday. Um, getting our picks, getting our fantasy advice, getting our reactions to you. Um, but that's gonna do it here. Uh, we will see you guys right back here next week, as always on playing the field. All right.